When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter and what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, and I'm Ken Napsack for another edition of the podcast that's still looking into Game of Thrones. I gotta tell you something. I gotta confess something. When Season 8 wrapped up, regardless of opinions of it, regardless of reactions to it, when Season 8 wrapped up, I did think, and I've touched upon this, I did think, man, is this all done? Are we done talking about Game of Thrones? Being fully aware that A Song of Ice and Fire exists and that shows and web pages and podcasts existed before HBO's Game of Thrones adaptation because people love A Song of Ice and Fire and I became one of those people. So I was aware there still was a lot to talk about, but I just, I felt I felt self-conscious about going on. Now I have Andres Cabrera and Thomas Risling, Lon Harris, Rach, Rachel Cushing around me when uh, schedules permit and uh, we can bring them in and, and, and your great calls. And, and man, I got to tell you, uh, I still, out of all of that, was just like, maybe it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, the numbers are going to dip. Season eight uh, got great attention love it or hate it, on podcasts and discussions around it. Same thing anytime a Star Wars movie comes out, the numbers go up and then they go down and not that I do things for numbers and I don't think do things for acclaim. I don't do things for uh, raising the numbers in my bank ledger. Uh, trust me, I don't. But I had to remind myself, no, I'm doing this because I love this and I love discussing it. And even looking at the show and going back and, and diving in, and focusing more and even more on the why of everything in HBO's The Game of Thrones, to me, has great value. Because Game of Thrones, the show, has become part of this big pop culture zeitgeisty myth that we all love diving into. That's what we love about Star Wars. What it does to us on a daily basis. How it inspires us, makes us think, challenges us. I still think that was perhaps the bigger purpose of Game of Thrones, beyond just entertaining show. Dan and Dave wanted to do that. I'm not saying it all came from their minds. I'm just saying we, we, the reason we all jump to those things and we really dive into those things. Lord of the Rings is, is, is another example. That's one of Harry Potter, for some, might be Fast and Furious. Fair enough. Um, there's all those things. We react to them. It is the modern myth effect. And and I just want to say, I want to confess that. I don't know if I've ever said it so directly. I, I thought of wrapping this up. It's just like, what's the point of going on? I felt embarrassed. There was someone um, about season six of Game of Thrones, someone, I, I, a colleague, adjacent person. I, I'm not super close with them. But they had tweeted out at one point like, oh, man, there's going to be a lot of podcasts wrapping up in a couple of years when this show's done. And I remember hearing that. I'm hosting you know, first it was the night is dark with with Maude and Tiffany and, and Michelle Boyd, and then it was like, 
uh, or jump over screen junkies and watching Thrones was going good, and I'm in the middle of that. I'm like, oh, no, uh, that person's probably right. I'm not going to have anything to do anymore. I'm going to be a useless hump of fandom. And happy to say, I am so happy, so happy to say that, you know, the Casterly Talk fans, you, you, you show up every week and you are open to diving in deeper, looking back and learning and being inspired and, again, questioning. And what I love about the characters that uh, George R. Martin, and there went my phone, I just dropped my phone live on there. I don't edit things. Bye-bye, phone. Um, within this world that George R. R. Martin created is is so wonderfully complicated. I think Star Wars is too. I think uh, Lord of the Rings and all those big things are. But they have maybe a few more broad strokes than Game of Thrones does. And that makes it even more valuable for me and I hope for you all, to go back in and really start looking in. So even though we are going to be continue to look into the books and look ahead, uh, Thomas Risley and I, uh, Thomas put so much, so much research into the first Fire and Blood Dance of Dragons episode. We're going to do that again, but you, you got to give the guy some time <laughs> to get go through it. Uh, we, need, we need to hire a research assistant. Let me check the budget. Nope, we're not going to have a research assistant. Uh, so uh, that stuff's coming, but I... I I started to feel pressured, pressure for myself to like, well, I, I guess we just can't talk about the show anymore or as much. I thought about it and I got some great calls lined up today. So many great calls this week that I'm going to have to push some to next week. And I thought, no, there's still great value in this. And I hope I'm not wrong. But if I'm wrong, it's you, me, and all of us sitting with hot pie, the crossroads in, being warm. Well fed by hot pie spread. Uh, let's uh, move on here, though. Uh, I also do, though. That said, I definitely also want to include more of the books, uh, Farm Blood, the maps, everything. Oh, by the way, there's a great map in my Discord server uh, that is tied through my Patreon page. You can support it, Patreon.com/slash Guy Napsack. Uh, I'm trying to find the great. Uh, of course, the links always go away when you uh, need them right away. They 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 posted. In uh, my uh, Discord server, in uh, the Casterly Talk, they, they posted this uh, map by J.E. Fullerton. Uh, Chad uh, Benefield uh, did. Thanks for the support, Chad. Thanks for the map. It is uh, this map. Some of you probably are familiar with it. Uh, this is from a couple of years ago. But it's this giant, giant map that just, it's like a tapestry. A tapestry. We're here to see the tapestries. Uh, it's just, it's got little cartoony characters on it. And it just goes and goes and goes. It's just it's just Westeros. No SOS. Please do SOS. Please someone find me SOS. I and I Chad posted it and everyone's been kind of commenting on it. And I've been going back and forth and just secretly not letting anyone know I'm on the map, just looking at it because I love maps and I love Game of Thrones maps. And I wish I had this to hang in my office. I'd need it's a probably huge map. Man, I do have I do have a map of Westeros, SOS and uh, Planetos all up on my wall there, like a painting version that was, uh, I, when I got, when I moved into my old apartment, I, 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 I said, oh, let's get some Game of Thrones stuff. So I got some Game of Thrones throw pillows, scatter cushions, as, as you might say in the UK. And um, I got this real detailed, realistic, like oil painting looking uh, map piece of art. And I was uh, like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to hang it over my couch. And like Spinal Tap in the movie Spinal Tap, uh, you know, um, I, the dimensions were wrong and Stonehenge showed up and it was the size of a small dog. So this 
painting still hangs in my office. It's just not the epic wall painting. I thought it was. Uh, anyways, I digress. We're going to dive into all that. And one of the things I want to do going forward is to have a quote of the week. Quote of the week. Uh, maybe we'll need some theme music. This quote of the week pulled from our friends over at a wiki of ice and fire. I say friends because I don't know them, but they're a great resource. And uh, you all should check it out and just poke around. A World of Ice and Fire, the book and the app. Highly recommend that too. Pay for the little spoiler packs. It's a lot of fun. You want to add idly pass the time on your phone, but maybe not be on social media and plugged into the rage machine or just wasting time. Learn a little bit more about Game of Thrones. Just go to the world of ice and fire and start just reading stuff random, uh, randomly. It's, it's uh, again, mostly book-based, but uh, that helps you just learn even more about what's going on in this world. So uh, with that said, quote of the week. Quote of the week. Here it is. From uh, Clash of Kings, Chapter 6, John 1. Jon Snow says, there's no shame in fear, my father told me. What matters is how we face it. That's simple and direct, but it's important. Um, the cross-pollination of my discussions of Game of Thrones and Star Wars is always going to be there. You're just going to you're, you're gonna have to live with it, okay? Yoda's fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. The big thesis statement in the prequels is something that is super relevant at all times and in all situations i don't i don't care what it is it works it's powerful for a reason so this reminded me of that that's why i wanted to pull this quote and i love it as it relates to john i love that it comes from ned and in this world of great knights and kings and queens and big impressive feats this fantasy world that it is so many people attached to the big actions of these characters. We did the Why of Jon Snow a couple weeks ago. And I, what, is, what, is, what is one of the lingering images of Jon Snow? We talked about it on that episode. Pulling out the sword. Standing against the advancing army of horses from Ramsey Bolton. Wow, what a hero. Brave, courageous. And it is. It is. But what led to that moment? A little bit of folly, a little bit of uh, him rushing into battle, a little bit of his anger, stubbornness, all of it. A lot of bad traits leading to it. It was a moment uh, probably inspired by fear. Fear of losing his brother. Which, by the way, understandable and good fear to have. Not criticizing them. But out of that, he makes a a, a rash rash, uh, decision. And he finds himself staring down an army. Uh, and he was afraid before, he was afraid then, but what do you do with it? He does resign resign himself to defeat, I think. There's a great huff and puff and sigh from Kit Harrington, but he pulls out that sword, and he's ready to face it down. There's a lot of fear in the world. There's a lot of fear in your lives, and I think it is not wise to beat it away, to bury the fear. Deal with the fear. Grow from the fear. Make the right steps forward from the fear. And that might lead to some anger, some rage. It might lead to all of that. And if you get to that point, it's what you do with that that matters. You just want to try to slide away from that hate. Definitely keep away from the final little warning from our favorite little space frog, suffering. Fear does start that path. 
It starts it in Star Wars, it starts it in Game of Thrones, and it most definitely starts it in our real life. Fear can keep you from change. It can keep you from growing. We associate this, and what I'm talking about is on a battlefield, a great big battlefield. We're all on a battlefield. Sometimes the battlefield is our heart, our soul. And again, fear can keep keep you from real change, real growth on a personal level. And then on a micro level around you, on a macro level around you. Confronting fear, the destiny of a Jedi, right? It does not say burying fear. It does not say denying fear. There's no shame in fear. Jon Snow learns from Ned Stark. But what matters is how we face it. And I think that is a lesson that Jon Snow took to heart. We have got some calls, like I said. A great bevy of calls. Uh, there is a uh, building on some of the calls we got last week. And I'll just say, some of, you, some of your calls are so good, I'm going to have to move them to another episode. And the way I do it from Anchor, you call in through Anchor, you leave a message, you have 59 seconds. I... What Anchor wants you to do, they want me to add the clip by pressing the little plus sign button, and it goes into my episode. And then when that happens, you would get, in theory, you'd get a little notice through Anchor or whatever it is. I don't know. Or they come knock on your door. Uh, they will tell you, hey, your, episode, your, your clip's being used in an episode. I don't do that. I play it directly thanks to the roadcaster, the old Daily Thrones days they would drop it in. So a lot of you, it's a guessing game. You're like, did Ken get my call? I get all your calls. I check on them. I think very, unless the quality is is poor, I don't think I've ever edited out a call. Uh, very, very rarely. I cannot remember in the uh, now 66 episodes that we've done this. So uh, I love the calls. And going back to what I said up top at the beginning of the show, when I'm alone in my room and have that fear that I am wasting my time with casterly talk, I'm, 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 should be embarrassed by it, and, and I, I just have that fear. It's your calls and your interactions, more than anything, that have made me say, confront that fear, move past it, grow past it, and we're going to have a fun little time and a fun little community to discuss, 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 discuss the big things. There's my phone. It's on the ground. I dropped it. So let's uh, get to it here. We are got, we got a call here from uh, Alden Diaz. Always got a great uh, call. Check out Alden's podcast, uh, Octo Radio. Great Star Wars show. He's doing some great interviews over there and doing great things himself. So give him a follow and uh, listen to his show. But he has got a call here. Uh, it's about a character, I'll say, close to my heart. I love those Baratheons. I love me my Stannis. I really love Renly, too. I really do. Love him on the show. Love him in the books. But I, got, I love Robert Baratheon as well. And I love him because he's so flawed. He's flawed. And at times he's he's bad. Like, at times he's just a straight bad guy. His treatment of Cersei sometimes is deplorable. But the character, Robert Baratheon, can teach us a lot. And I love questions about Robert Prathian. I love thoughts about Robert Prathian. So here's one from our friend, Alden Diaz. Hey, Ken, it's Alden here. I'm up late, my friend, up late thinking about Robert Baratheon or Bobby B, as some of us call him online. 
So I'm wondering how he relates to destiny and predetermined fates. Do you think that he was always destined to be a disastrous ruler on the Iron Throne? I mean, Tywin discusses with Tommen how winning and ruling aren't the same thing in regards to Robert. But I wonder if there's a world where the former actually could have led to the latter successfully. Maybe if Lyanna had lived, could there have been some sort of future there? I mean, despite the fact that she didn't love him, could there have been that successful union if she didn't die? I don't know, for political reasons. Is his grief what led to his irresponsibility? Should he have maybe chosen Ned from day one, perhaps, as his hand? Or gotten rid of voices like Baelish long before machinations could set in? Let me know what you think on this one. Hashtag justice for Bobby B. Justice for Bobby B. I like this one. I really do. Kind of close to my heart here. Uh, And Mark Addy, by the way, just brings such great life to Robert Baratheon. And I was all in on Robert. Season one, again, I approached season one, hadn't read the books yet, was familiar with it, kind of heard whispers. Yeah, was this in books here? Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. And season one, I'm blown away. And Robert Baratheon is one of the guys. Robert was one of the, oh my gosh, I really like, he's dead. Oh no, what is this show doing to me? Um, so as far as destiny, I have a strong belief uh, that sometimes in fandoms, I don't, I, I think people listen to Casterly Talk and listen to Force Center and uh, listen to Alden over on Octo Radio. I, I think um, there's a general understanding that destiny is so important to these stories, but that for years, perhaps destiny was misinterpreted by fandoms uh, or just willfully just ignored what it really means. And destiny, the boy who would be king. Uh, we talked about a lot about that with Jon Snow is about, Oh, you're here, you're on this world and you're going to do great things. And that's the way it is. And that's destiny. That is destiny. Destiny is a weird, wonderful thing. You know, it was a great Mr. Destiny with Jim Belushi. Check that one. out. I, speaking of destiny. All right. There's a lot of ways to interpret destiny and our choices and everything. That's what it is for me. Destiny is what leads you to the choice or choices. Luke Skywalker, there's that Star Wars again. He's led to a choice. And he chooses to throw down his lightsaber. And that saves his father. That leads to the redemption of his father. The destiny was to get to that choice. And I think that's important because you don't ever want to feel like it's uh, all out in front of you. There's nothing you can do. This path is complete. What is will be. What will be is. And, and there's no choice. So you can't change your situation. You can't grow. You can't approach things differently. Blah. Or the other side is, yeah, man, I'm going to be great. And that's the way it's going to be. And I can't mess that up. And then when I get there and I do mess it up, I'm still great. I was the chosen one, right? <sighs> destiny brought me here. Now, destiny is about bringing you to that choice. And that might have been Robert Baratheon's choice. He leads the rebellion. Robert's rebellion is a very important thing in Westerosi history. Westerosi? Westerosi. Westerosi Rossi. It's a very important thing. It was needed, uh, you could argue. And more on that in a second. And that's not, and I, you know, and I like, I like that House of the Dragon. I, 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 Targaryens did some good things, did some bad things, right? It's, it's reality. It's re- every house in, in Westeros is, uh, could probably say that. But 300 years of rule seemed to be some sort of problem, seemed to be a need for change, seemed to be something brewing. And Robert, destiny brings him to the point of leadership. Destiny brings him to, I got my uh, antlers, I got my war hammer, and we are going to war. 
and they make a big change. That was Robert's destiny, perhaps. And then he gets to choices. And then he gets to what he needs to do. Alden excellently uses the word machinations. There's a lot of things that Robert did wrong. A lot of people around him. The, the thought of should he have turned to Ned sooner is a smart one and a good one. I think Alden, I think that's a, a good thought to have. Robert might have had it. Let's not forget, Ned probably was like, good, I help you win, you win the throne. I'm going back home and I'm done. And I got other problems, by the way, because I got this kid with me now. I'll call you some other time. We'll do lunch. See you, see you, Bobby. See you, Bobby B. You you got it, Eddie S. Um, but here's the thing. The choice, the destiny that uh, Robert Baratheon was, uh, on, was built on quicksand from the beginning. So was he destined to be a disastrous ruler? No. No. He had the choice to be better. He had the choice. But winning and, and ruling are two different things. Tywin, the knowledge, the lessons, the wisdom of Tywin, they're there. Me and Ace love, love Tywin, which is sometimes weird to say and admit. But the win was hollow. Robert's rebellion was never about rebellion for Robert Baratheon. I just don't think it was. So the win was Hollow. We are going to hear a clip in a, a little bit, uh, an interview with George R. R. Martin, where he, he says, uh, you'll hear it again probably, Robert was rolling for a fight. So he, destiny has brought him to this great big re rebellion. His rebellion really turned, uh, turned over an entire world. It was a rebellion that was supposed to lead to change, or at least my, there might have been some thought in the realm for that. But Robert was just rolling for a fight. And because of that, the win was hollow as we hear him explain to Cersei in season one. Let's hear it. You want to know the horrible truth? I can't even remember what she looked like. I only know she was the one thing I ever wanted. Someone took her away from me. And seven kingdoms couldn't fill the hole she left behind. I felt something for you once, you know. I know. Even after we lost our first boy. For quite a while, actually. Was it ever possible for us? Was there ever a time, ever a moment? No. Oh, man. You watch Cersei's heart. Does that make you feel better or worse? Not, not break, but... There it is. Give it to him, Cersei. Come on. It doesn't make me feel anything. I love that scene. We all love that scene. That's such a good scene. Oh, it's one of the best. And hey, not from the books. Eh, imagine that. There it is right there, plainly, for all of us to see. Destiny might have been calling Robert Baratheon to something bigger. I can get behind that idea. If that's part of what uh, you were thinking about 
Alden late night, late at night thinking about Bobby B. And you know what? Alden don't have any, feel any shame in that. You should be up late thinking about Brathians. All right. You should think about Stannis late at night. It, it, it's healthy. Um, the wind was hollow, man. The wind was hollow. And that, that wasted the rebellion, quite frankly. This is the need, I think, for Danny to come in and break the wheel, at least try. And I do believe, I do believe the wheel was reformed in season eight. In terms of season eight, we'll see. But again, the book books can follow a lot of different paths, I'm sure. But just in, in paring it down and making it kind of simple and direct, I, I think that's a, a lot that was there uh, with with season eight. I think the wheel was cracked, broken, uh, and, and rebuilt enough to where it's familiar and comfortable to those that need that, but it's new and progressive and, and hopefully full of change and growth going forward. I, I think that's a, that's a healthy balance. It's hard to achieve. Robert and Ned and everyone tried to break that wheel, and they could have. They could have. I really think they could have. Robert didn't want to. It was all about Leanna, and that was a lie. Everything was a lie, and he knew it. I think he knew it from the start. I think he understood that. I think he knew he didn't have her heart. And that probably made him afraid of his future. Probably had a lot of fear of who am I without this love that I want. That's an okay spot to be in. It's an understandable spot to be in. I think a lot of us could find ourselves in that spot all all through our lives, but it's what you do with it. We see a lot of bad examples out there in the real world of what people do with that kind of rejection. And Robert is an example in the fantasy world of that. He started a war to fill a hole. So his rebellion was false. We are going to uh, play a clip here uh, from, uh, and, I, and again, I do this without permission. Uh, I try to give as much credit where credit is due. This is something I'm going to start doing more on the show, playing clips and everything that uh, aren't for me. I'm not out on the circuit, but uh, I want to be as uh, open and honest with it. Um, so thanks to HBO for, you know, letting me play that. Uh, wink, wink. Um, this is uh, uh, George R. R. Martin speaking on Robert's Rebellion. This was at the Chicago Humanities Festival back in uh, 2019, October 11th, 2019. The host is uh, the excellent Eve Louise Ewing. She did a great job. I watched a lot of this uh, panel this morning, uh, about an hour and uh, 20 minutes. Uh, you can uh, check out uh, the, their YouTube page, at Chicago Humanities Festival, and then uh, they're part of the Chicago Public Library Foundation. And uh, they have some underwriting there. You can look into that and you can donate if you want to support uh, the Chicago Humanities Festival at supportchf.org. Do that there. Uh, so Eve Louise Ewing is speaking with George R. R. Martin and uh, they read some questions from the audience. And there is one about Robert's Rebellion. We're going to hear it right now. So I'm going to ask you some fan questions for which I can only moderately vouch for the quality. <laughs> After having you ask that question. Should I be afraid? No, I think these are all fine. I'm going to take my glasses off. Okay, so uh, Brendan B. Fish, I presume not his real name, on Twitter asks, speaking personally, do you believe that Robert, Ned, and John Aaron were justified in their rebellion against the Mad King? If it were you, would you have stayed loyal to the Targaryens? People in the audience are freaked out by this question. (laughs) I don't think I would have stayed loyal to uh, to the Mad King. Do I think they were justified? Yeah, yes and no. 
I don't like to provide easy answers to that. <laughs> I like to make I like to make the reader uh, wrestle with the question mm -hmm. and and think about it. Um, because some of these questions never are uh, easy when we encounter them in in real life. Um, it's been interesting coming back here to Chicago because I was I spent ten years in Chicago in the Chicago area. I was at Northwestern from 1966 to 1971 up in Evanston, and then I was in Chicago from 71 to 76. And if you look at that era, particularly uh, the early part of that era, uh, the 60s, it was sometimes known in the history books for you young people who've read about it in history as the turbulent 60s. There was um, an altercation going down in Vietnam that some of us didn't like. There were a lot of protests and demonstrations. Um, people in the streets by the tens of thousands, by the hundreds of thousands in some cases. Um, and I look back on that era now and, and uh, you know, I ask myself that question. Did we, were the protests justified? Did we do the right thing? Did we do the wrong thing? Should we have gone further to, uh, should, should we, um, you know, I was very much a, a clean for gene guy. I still believed in uh, the American system and, um, you know, elections and let's elect Gene McCarthy and put an end to the Vietnam War that way. They were more radical people who wanted to destroy the state and tear it all down and rebuild it, you know. Um, and when I look at all the things that happened, uh, I don't know. It was a confused time and it's still a confusing time to look back in history. Maybe 100 years from now when everybody who participated in dead will be able to sort it out and find the answers. But uh, is violence ever justified to oppose evil in the world? If so, to what extent is violence justified? Um, and these are the questions that Ned and Robert had to, uh, had to deal with. There was no doubt that uh, the Mad King was mad. He, he was uh, you know, paranoid and violent and he was abusing his power. And Westeros has no Magna Carta or anything like that. There was no way to handle this within the rule of law. Uh, but was what they do justified? Especially when you consider that it was triggered by a personal mm -hmm. grievance. Mm -hmm. the, the execution of Ned's father and, and brother was really a thing that radicalized, as we would have said in the 60s, Ned and, and put him uh, in, in opposition to it. Robert was just brawling for a fight and didn't like <laughs> the fact that he'd lost his girlfriend. Um, so, you know, the personal informs the political. I don't, as a reader, I like the writers who ask questions and get you to think. And I try to do that as a writer. I don't necessarily like the writers who give answers. Because often I don't agree with the answers. They seem <laughs> wrong to me in some cases, or they seem overly simplistic. Um, but questioning is important. Theodore Sturgeon, 
who was uh, one of the great, great science fiction writers of the Golden Age. Uh, George goes and goes and goes, as he should. Again, George is a, fascination, a fascinating interview. Uh, he talks himself sometimes in the corners, just like he writes himself in the corners, but I love listening. But I thought that was uh, some interesting stuff uh, about Ned, uh, Robert, rebellions, change, long-term change, and where it comes from. There's no doubt in my mind that Ned Stark felt it was time and felt was enough was enough. Uh, they talk about, again, his father and uh, brother being uh, burned right there in the, in the red keep right there, uh, right there in the throne room. Right. So he was, uh, Ned was radical radicalized as it was said. Now he's still a, a brutal man, a, a, a tender man, maybe very deep down, but he was still a product of, of his, his world. And, and I think uh, the violence was justified. The rebellion was justified and it happened, but, uh, the, the real change didn't happen. And I think that didn't happen because Robert Baratheon wasn't interested in it. It was so personal and it came from a lie that I think he was even telling himself. I, I always bring that up. Um, he didn't know. I don't think Robert knew uh, Rhaegar and Lyanna were together. Maybe, you know, the, 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 the winter roses would probably be a big clue, but I think he probably, the plausible deniability was strong. We've talked about that on the show there, but all this to me is, is want to wrap this up there. Fascinating stuff from George. I, I think if you're not careful, and I think this makes me think too of, of, of Danny, particularly in the show of, of particularly her decision to stay a Marine is probably one of the smarter decisions because she knew what she need. She needed to learn how to lead learn how to rule and not just conquer. Um, and then the, she gets chipped away at and, and her foundations start crumbling. And we've talked a lot about Danny lately and we'll, we'll keep talking about it. But, I, but I think about the lot. I think about Astapor and Yukai and the other places she brought great change and upheaval to. And when she moved on, if you're not careful, the same stuff will set in. George R. Martin's talking about the 1960s in the United States. Uh, it's deja vu all over again, right? So how do you bring about real change? It's uh, bigger conversations, important conversations, and, and what is needed and what is what. Uh, and if you're not careful, you don't break that wheel. Robert didn't want to break the wheel. But but justice for Bobby B, I'm with you, Alden. I don't, I don't fault Robert Brathian as a character for a lot of those things. There's, there's things I, I definitely fault him on uh his his not loving cersei not so much you know it's, it's, it's a political marriage john aaron wanted him to do it but his uh you know his 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 physical abuse of cersei on the show should make he that's deplorable and, and inexcusable and ned sees him in a new light you know during that he's the king oh he's the king and he'll let you know it but I think I take that as a sign without without justifying it on any level. I, I just take that as a sign as how far Robert fell. And that is one of the big lessons I take from a lot of the characters on Game of Thrones. If you're not careful, you can slip on down the road. But Robert Baratheon, I think at one point, was destined for greatness, destined for something bigger. He got there, and he let himself be broken. He broke himself. He's a fearful man. How do you react to that fear? His fear was in the heart. His fear was all wrapped around that and his well-being around Leanna and who am I without it? I can't have her. 
tear it all down. And he let, uh, he let that fear of a new path. Fear isn't just uh, ghosts jumping out of uh, scary buildings, right? It isn't just jump cuts. Fear is often uh, a new path. Uh, Sith Jedi, right? Sith fear anything. They can't let go. They fear. They fear. Jedi, the idea is to let go, literally to let go. So Robert, he held on to some things. He held on to it, and destiny brought him to some great points, and he could move forward. So was he destined to be a disastrous ruler? No, Alden Diaz. He was not. He just chose to. <sighs> oh, Robert. Could have been something. I still love that character. I still love Mark Gaddy. All right. We are going to take a quick break here on Casterly Talk. When we come back, Addy's got some calls and we got some good what ifs here on Casterly Talk. See you on the other side. Hey y'all, what's going on? This is Kojak. I create music that can be found both on YouTube and SoundCloud, and now I'm a recent streamer on Twitch. So if you're looking for some chill instrumentals, check me out on YouTube and SoundCloud under KOJQ. And for some laughs, you can check my Twitch page under KO underscore JAQ. Everyone, please be safe, and thank you. in pop culture art, sleek designs, and some of the best brand logos around. Shop G9 Design on TeePublic and represent the electrifying art of Janine Bryce with a shirt, wall art, and more. Go to TeePublic.com slash user slash G9 Design. And while you're searching the G9 Design storefront, check out Janine's show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, available right here on Anchor and wherever podcasts are found. Well, hello there. This is Lauren Romo, one of the co-hosts of the Gal Like Podcast. We are two gals that just talk anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. Come join us for the Star Wars discussions. Stay for that silliness. You can find us on Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at the Galactic Pod. And as always, may that force be with you. We're back here on Casterly Talk. I'm Cat Napsog. Thanks for sticking around after the break. Check out uh, those shows and products and content that uh, you hear during the break. There's a lot of great shows out there. A lot of great people doing great things. We like, we like everyone getting a little shot to do great things. That's where we're playing those ads during Casterly Talk, Napsog Files, Afternoons, and more. We got a couple calls here. We got a, we got a double feature from Addy. An Addy feature. That's what we'll call it. She called last week with a great call about the pilot, the aired pilot, not the unaired pilot, about changes from the pilot going forward. We, you know, most of the time we were just talking about, we were talking about Tyrion's hair. That's mostly what people mean. But a great call, and I'm so happy to know and see in my little uh, message inbox. We've got two more. So let's go into some what ifs. 
with Addie. Hi, Ken and Casterly Talk crew. Addie again. Two questions coming from my rewatch of season one, episode nine, Baylor. The first question has to do with Danny, Jorah, and Drogo. So this is, of course, the episode where Danny has the witch work her magic to try and save Drogo at the expense of her child and most of the Kalasar who ride off without her. What happens if Drogo still dies, but Danny still bears his child? Do you think any of that would have had an effect on the trajectory of her ultimate path? So that's my first question. Coming back with a second question in just a few minutes. All right. Part two. Coming. Season one. Episode nine. Baylor. It's the gift that keeps on giving, as brutal as that gift is at, at, at times. Uh, the question about uh, Drogo dies, but Rego still lives, uh, is born, I guess, and, and lives is not born as a withered half-dragon. I'm, I'm glad we never saw that. And I, I enjoy the phrase of just uh, having the witch worker magic. Mary Maz Duel is an interesting character. I think uh, uh, one of the early lessons of Game of Thrones. She's good. She's bad. She's all of it. She's justified. She's not justified. She goes too far. She doesn't go far enough. I actually really like the character of Miriam Mav's duel in the story. But, hey, uh, Danny strikes a deal. Let's say part of the deal goes the way it was supposed to go. Um, uh, Drogo dies. Um, well, he lives, but he dies. Uh, but let's say Rego lives. Let's say, let's say, boom, it's Drogo. Gone. Poof. Because something's going on with the baby, and that was the trade that Danny makes. Doesn't matter. Ken, don't get lost in the wilderness there, okay? Don't be uh, caught in the uh, the uh, in the in, in the uh, desert uh, there. The desert bones out there on uh, heading to Kuwait. Kuwait heading to Karth, where Kuwait is. A lot of cues here today in my head because this is a great question, which is a cue as well. I don't think it changes much, Addy, and I think I think you kind of feel that. I I think. The the rest of the uh, Dothraki, the Kalasar, will be like, great, um, Drogo's dead. We were following him. You have his son. You were our Khaleesi. But power is power. And that little baby's got no power. I think the vacuum is still there. And I think then it becomes a, a mad flight as well. Does it end up the same? Now, let's just assume the dragon's are still there at this part of the story. I don't know the details. I'm not over, over concerned with right now, but that Danny has the dragons, but also has an actual real son. I think it changes the focus of her a little bit. Um, and no disrespect to Rego. And it's a sad, it's a sad thing and a sad tale. Um, but I, I'm glad Danny wasn't a, it caught up. I don't. Know, how do I say this? I'm glad Danny's focus wasn't on her child, but on herself and her journey and and all that. Um, not that she couldn't have learned and grown from having the son. Um, again, I'm saying that I'm saying this delicately as I can, as not to step in my own words there. But um, I'm 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 happy that she got to go for the bigger picture. And it wasn't motivated by her trying to protect her son or running around um, 
and not focused on learning to rule, learning to conquer, learning to be better. Maybe she would have done those things still, but the connection to the dragons would have been different. You know, pets. Look at look at pets. Uh, you know, I got I got a couple of dog children in my life right now, and I'll, I'll I'll burn cities to the ground for them as well. But if I had an actual uh, child, I imagine there'd be the same level of love and passion, but a sense of it's a little different. Again, I don't have that experience. I don't know. So at the end of the day, though, to answer your question uh, as direct as possible, Hattie, without stepping on my tongue over motherhood and children, I yeah, I think it's the same. I definitely think the Dothraki, you know, don't let that kid get out of the out there. Uh, but don't let it survive till morning. I really don't. Um, power is power. Power is power all over Westeros, Essos, everywhere you look. And I think that uh, that sticks, that stays. And uh, it's a sad. It's a sad thing, man. I, you know, we've talked a lot about Drogo. If Drogo remains, and what that means. And uh, again, totally different. That's the fun thing about these what ifs. Takes you down a totally different path. Um, Danny would have had of uh, would have had. I think any path Danny goes down, she's got pain that she has to learn from and hopefully not succumb to. Which in the end, uh, she does a little bit. Ah, Danny, poor Danny, Addie. That's a great call. Got me thinking. I'm doing these ones a little bit more on the flies, but that one got me. That got me thinking. Oh, Mary Mansdol. Well played, Mary Mestel. Well played. Addie's back. So my second question has to do with the war. In this, in uh, episode nine, Baylor of season one, Jamie is captured and brought to Rob and puts to Rob that they could end the war right now through single combat. And Rob probably rightfully says that Jamie would beat him, so they're not going to do that. What happens if Rob takes him up on it? I can personally see two different scenarios. There's the scenario where Jamie wins and there's the scenario where Rob pulls an upset victory and Rob wins. And I feel like if Jamie won, history might have been different. The course of events following might have been different. But in the case that Rob wins, I actually don't see things going any differently because Tywin started a war to get Tyrion back. What's he going to do for a son that he actually likes? Can't wait to hear your ideas. Keep up the great work. Yeah. They have my son. Tywin, uh, yeah. Tywin would have burnt all the world down if uh, JB had been killed. This is a a real fun question. This also reminds me of Jon Snow and Ramsey, right? Let's just do this here, right? Um, there's a little bit. Uh, well, see, so I uh, so this uh, trial by combat up and up through this point, uh, up until it's uh, banished in the land, right? It, it's it's revered in a way, and it's taken as law. It's taken on a, a, as a ruling from the gods. The fates have decided, whatever way you want to choose to look at it. Like people hold to it, right? Red Viper. Dead, we hold to it. He loses, he loses, but almost wins on a technicality too. But you know what I mean? Like that's in this setting, in this world, that's the case with trial by combat. Thinking of tearing up at uh, the veil. So Rob and Jamie, following the whispering wood, like I'm not. That's not officially trial by combat, 
But let's just say, to Addie's question, if they had, could they have made it, would it have been treated more, more than could, could it have? Would it have been treated by any side as official? Would word get back to uh, King's Landing? Hey, uh, the war's over. Well, they, they did a uh, war by duel, and Jamie lost. We're done. We're over. Everyone go back to your castles and your keeps. This this is over. So if it was official, if it was just two guys stepping outside, let's settle this outside like men, then definitely Tywin doesn't care. Now, look, Tywin, I think, would have been like, War by duel is hereby banished. We're continuing the war. So Jamie loses. If Rob pulls out the miracle on ice and, and wins, not the miracle with ice, but the miracle on ice, if, 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 he, if he wins and, and kills Jamie in one-on-one combat, which, look, Jamie's hurt. He's captured. He's still got two hands. But Rob, you know, Rob was running, running on a little winning streak there. Maybe he could have done something. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting to think. Um, yeah, Tywin burns the world down. The other flip side, though, this is the line of thinking I was heading down when I'm listening, uh, listening to your question, Addy, is they do war by duel, duel. Jamie wins, as expected. Do the armies and uh, the folks in service to Rob stop? Do they lay down arms? Do they, they don't have necessarily a Tywin that's going to go burn everything down. Catelyn Stark got the same passion and protective nature of her family. Would they, you know, would they have followed her? They're going to follow Tywin or they're going to follow Catelyn Stark. Um, or would it be like, this is not a war by duel situation here, but Stannis and Renly, they have the parlay. Fruit or not, they have the parlay. And uh, thanks to Melisandre and her magic, Renly's killed. So it's not a little bit later, obviously. It's not one-on-one combat. It's not trial by combat. It's not a war by duel. But it is one death, Renly's, changes the very nature of what was going to be a confrontation between two opposing armies. It's over. It's done. One man's down. Everyone starts packing up, fleeing, and a lot just say, all right, well, Stannis will take us. We'll bend the knee. I think the North, not just those at Winterfell or Stark or anything, the North generally, stereotypically stubborn, historically stubborn, but historically strong, historically true to themselves. They have some integrity in the North. So I don't see a lot dropping their arms and joining the other side. But I wonder if there's that type of situation where a lot of, you know, again, Renly's army. Renly's gone. That changes everything. Rob Stark's gone. That changes everything. How many people switch sides? How many people run? How many people just aren't involved anymore. I don't think there'd be those to fight. Catelyn would have no one, very little, uh, in the way of houses to rally around her. Uh, and then if you, I mean, if I'm in that situation, I'm, I'm in the world and I have any sense of knowledge of, of the, the cast of characters, 
Rob dies and I lay down my sword, do I think Tywin still won't come and burn everything to the ground? Because he still might, just to prove a point. Good. Jamie won. Good. We shall teach them more lessons. Boom. Everyone's gone. It's, it's an interesting... It's, it's an interesting question. I... I give I give uh, I give Rob some Vegas chances uh, some long odds on winning. I think Jamie most likely does get the victory there, but he's not a good spot in that moment. He's not a good spot, so Rob could have won, and then Tywin would have put uh, foot to pedal and uh, taken that car up to eighty eight miles an hour. Great stuff, Addy. Fun what ifs. We got some more what ifs coming next week, and uh, inspired by a, by a call, we're going to be uh, doing a topic next week called the humanity of Sandor. Yeah, we're going to be doing that. Nick uh, had a good call about that, and uh, inspired me. I like it. So we'll pull some clips, pull some quotes. We'll do it. Uh, and I want to thank you all, as always, for uh, uh, joining me here for the show as we look back, look in, and dig deep on the inspirations and lessons and legacy of Game of Thrones, and also look forward uh, to things like Fire and Blood, Volume 2, House of the Dragon, and into the books as well. Hey, one day, one day, we'll get a new book. It's going to happen. I swear it, my friends. I swear it. You can follow me at Kednapsock. Uh, use hashtag CasterlyTalk. I'm a little less on social media these days, uh, but if you want to follow me, my adventures, you can go to uh, KenNapsock.com. Check the Charity Spotlight tab. We've got a lot of things going there, including uh, Maddie's Pride Project, something we're backing uh, for Pride Month and uh, for all the months going forward. Uh, that'll be there. Uh, you can find uh, other links to other charities, some suggested by friends of the show, patrons, and friends of me, uh, and, and just people I know. It's on there. Uh, check it on out. It's at kennapsuck.com. You can also pick up... I have a few copies left. You can pick up a personalized copy of my book, Why We Love Star Wars, uh, on there as well. So that's it for now. We'll be here next week. I don't know if we gave uh, any justice for Bobby B., but I do love that character. But next week, we'll give some justice to the heart of Sandor Clegane. We'll see you then. This was Casterly Talk. <laughs>